0: Hey everybody and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Alex, and today on our panel we have Tessa. Hi. And Ari.
1: Hello. Wait, what? Who's who's that?
0: Oh, uh, so Tessa, you don't know this, but we've had uh another person that's actually been on the show pretty regularly for quite a while. <laughs> and um I don't know that I don't know if you've met her, so we're gonna actually
1: Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. And Bari,
0: so that's really bad. We're gonna introduce Ari uh this week because uh some of our listeners may not know who Ari is.
2: Lastly, I just felt super left out because like everyone else currently on the show got their own episode and I didn't. So I was like, you know what? My turn. Me. Yeah.
0: Basically. Actually that's
2: not entirely how it went down, but close enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was there may have been bribes, some intimidation checks were made. <laughs> and anyway we're talking about Ari today
1: what is an intimidation check <laughs> is that like a dexterity check
0: yeah it's a, it's a dun-
1: what is a dexterity check what are all these checks well,
0: it's a dungeons and dragons thing tessa
1: oh my god i've never nerd. even played and i know this nerd
0: nerd so you just lost your nerd creds i'm just saying
1: i mean i didn't have any nerd
0: i'm cool <laughs> <laughs> okay also none of
1: the i see none of the
0: viewers are gonna if you're the cool one if you're the cool one what does that make us you
1: you pointed at yourself and said nerd but nobody listening to the show is gonna see you pointing so it just sounds like you called me nerd like 30 times for no reason
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay let's talk about ari ari Welcome to the show. Uh tell us about yourself.
2: Oh thanks for having me.
1: Welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh,
0: how did how did you how did you get into uh programming? What
2: bring what brings you to the show? I was making minimum wage. Well, okay, minimum wage uh by Colorado standards, which at the time was ten dollars an hour. Working for my family. Uh I don't know if you know this, but uh working for your family generally does not make you like your family more. Just gonna. <gasps>
0: shocked and (laughs) surprised
2: um yeah i was working at uh the family quilts uh quilt shop uh cutting fabric folding fat quarters fun stuff like that love a fat quarter yeah none of that skinny quarter bs for me so (laughs) a fat quarter is when you take half a yard and cut it in half so it's a quarter of a yard but it's wider
1: Right, it's more of a like a squarish shape than like a slim rectangle, right? Exactly. But is the other one really called a skinny quarter or is it called something else? It's just a regular quarter. Oh, okay. I don't, who buys the red anyway?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I I can tell you lots about cutting fabric. For example, if you are cutting an extra-wide backing fabric, which is folded over multiple times, uh, the only way to do it properly is the snip and rip. Otherwise, it will get off bias. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, now tell me if I'm cutting faux fur correctly, because I always turn it over so that the woven side is on top, not the furry side, and then I use a, um, a rotary cutter and try not to snip all the way down to the fur so I don't get that weird truncated edge. Alex has a lot of thoughts on cutting fur.
0: My bigger question is why is Tessa cutting, why is Tessa making furry things is sort of my bigger question. <laughs>
1: uh, we used to, we used to have a Halloween view view meetup when that was a thing.
2: So I never cut faux fur, but we did have minky, which is like, it's basically a faux fur. And we just had special scissors that we used for it that were angled, which made it easier to keep, Keep the bottom edge like on the flat surface with the the high pile. I love how like our listeners at this point are like nobody actually cares about cutting fabric.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it takes me back to like my uh, store working days when we had a pair of like stainless steel, completely stainless steel, um, ginger The German sewing brand scissors to cut ribbon to wrap our cakes and stuff. We were always cutting through. We were always dulling like our cheap, the plastic handle scissors. And so I was like, let's get this one nice pair. And uh, somebody came in in a hurry, wanted their uh, order right away. But everything, everything had to have the same ribbon. And I told the customer, like, we only have a little bit of ribbon left. It's not going to be enough. And they were like, it's okay. That's fine. Whatever. Five minutes in, she decides I'm too slow. I told her, hey, we're out of the ribbon. What do you want to use instead? And she comes around to behind the counter. No! And then she grabs she grabs the scissors. And she's like, I'm going to do it myself. And I, no. I turn and I look down the hallway. And I see my boss watching. He's like hiding behind the doorway with his face peeking out. And then after she left, he was like, why didn't you stop her? And I was like, she had eight-inch stainless steel blades in her hand. Why didn't you stop her? <laughs> anyway. What a tangent. Yeah,
2: no, we... Uh- We used like $80 Kai scissors. Um, And yeah, if, okay, those of you who had crafting mamas know this. You do not use the fabric scissors for anything
0: else unless you want to die.
1: I've been reading recently that it's a myth, but I don't believe it. It is not a myth.
0: My Mm. wife has not, no, it's not. My wife has not, um, has never really threatened me except once I accidentally touched The fabric scissors? I didn't even, like, (laughs) pick them up. I touched them, and she said, don't touch the fabric scissors. And I went, okay. They have a big label on them. I know which ones they are now.
1: I actually got a second pair of my lightweight fabric scissors because I like them so much, but for paper. But I didn't label them, which is a mistake. Oh, no. I know. All right. So, yeah. So, anyway, I worked at a quilt shop.
2: And we I would also uh, manage some of the content on their website, and I was getting frustrated one day trying to do a layout. And like you know, the constraints of the content management system just it wasn't what I wanted. So I was like, I should just figure out how to do this myself because I noticed that there was a an option to just input raw HTML. So that was where it started. And uh, turns out like I kind of liked it. And then I remembered that somebody I actually a couple of people that I used to play WoW with had done some program that was closest to where I lived. And so like I went and I looked it up and it was a boot camp, a six month boot camp. And so I decided to take a workshop through that school and I found myself like losing time, you know, as um you do with ADHD hyper focus. I was like, oh, okay. so this is what I'm supposed to do, because I knew that, you know, with my ADHD, it had to be something that, yeah, that I could hyper focus on. Otherwise, I was going to hate my life.
1: And WoW is a game.
2: Oh, World of Warcraft.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's what I call MMORPGs.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I used to play that at a very high level. I've not done that in quite some time. Probably never will again. But yeah, so I did a boot camp and that was, oh wow, um, it has been five years this month since uh, I started boot camp. Congratulations. Time
0: flies. Wow, yeah, time does fly.
2: Oh, I I should mention, in high school, I did take a Visual Basic .NET class, so.
1: (laughs) Clearly a pro. Yes. (laughs)
0: You you were very forward-looking. I mean, that's all the rage now um, is VisualBasic.net.
1: Yep. I mean, we are all on the net, right? (laughs) Uh, I feel like I remember you mentioning that you have a a background in other kinds of engineering, though, right? Like meki or something? Yeah.
2: So I went to college for mechanical engineering. That did not work out. The reason that didn't work out uh, was – so I went to a school um, that had a mandatory co-op program. So you would alternate work terms with school terms every other term.
1: Every other? Yeah. From the
2: first year? No. Wow. The whole time. Like that was – it was literally a co-op school. So the whole time you were um, – you would work half the time, which also meant ge- it generally took people like five years to get through. So I, uh, I was working for a tier one automotive supplier, a supplier of axles and drive shafts. It was a large company, a Fortune 500 company. As it turns out, my lack of filter doesn't lend itself well to a corporate environment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like safety is important with cars, right? Like with the air conditioner and stuff, you want to make sure that air is clean. Oh, my God.
2: So what happened was, so I was actually very good at my job. My boss loved me. In fact, like normally you rotate um, departments after two terms, but my boss like had made special arrangements for me to come back for a third term. Wow. But (laughs) there was a company-wide meeting and at the end, they opened it up for questions to the CEO. And... Oh, I asked if they had any plans on improving the co-op program because as it stood, they weren't attracting the best and the brightest because they didn't, you know, honestly, compared to a lot of other co-ops, the pay was not competitive and it was clearly designed for local students and not people like me who my home was Washington and this was in Ohio. So trying to find a three-month lease was really hard. Yeah, it turns out that is not something that uh, is particularly acceptable in corporate culture. So... I became known as that (laughs) Um, co-op. It's one of those things where like all of the engineers thought it was awesome, but HR had a very different opinion. Oh, that's interesting. And so two weeks before I was supposed to go back for another work term, I got a phone call saying that I was being let go due due to chronic tardiness. Hmm. Now, mind you, I... uh, I walked in at the same time every day as this other co-op, and he still had his job. So, But then as it turns out, uh, that essentially got me blacklisted from the automotive industry. And I had wanted to be an automotive engineer, so that was that. So kind of lost all ambition to be a mechanical engineer at that point. Oh,
1: that sounds really tough.
2: And then I floundered for a bunch of years in my 20s. And uh, yeah, I didn't start boot camp until I was... Uh 30, so there's still hope, all you not really that old people, but older people.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought you were twenty this whole time. You look very young. Ha ha.
2: And if you do the math, you'll figure out I'm thirty-five. <gasps> but it's okay because Alex is a couple months older than me, so I'm not the oldest here. <laughs> Yeah. That's all that really matters. Exactly.
0: I'm the I'm the old man in the podcast. I'm I'm the cranky crotchety old man.
2: I was so happy when you joined because it meant I was
1: no longer the oldest. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Let's be real. You were probably born. You were born the old man.
0: <laughs> I was born in my mother even says, You were born middle aged. So yeah.
1: What is a tier one company? What does that mean?
2: So a tier one automotive supplier means that um you're supplying directly to the manufacturers um like a tier two would be um suppliers for a tier one company so like um let's say uh pinion seals for um a differential unit that would be a tier two supplier with they would supply the seals those are words yes,
0: yeah, I even recognized. Those, those words. So,
2: so, 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 Tier 1, Um, we supply, like, assembled stuff.
0: Ah, okay.
1: I know what cars are. I took Java once. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get from that to, to this? Like, why are you on the podcast? How did all of this come to be? A View Goldberg machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is a great question. So, uh, so literally all of it stemmed from a single conversation I had. I was walking to the, uh, reception after the first day of view comp in 2019. Is that,
1: is that right? I think so. Cause I was just listening to the episode where we were talking about, was it 2019 or 2018? It was 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, I think it was 2019. And, um, So like I'm walking
2: in by myself and then I hear this like super familiar voice and it was the voice of Chris Fritz (laughs) because at the time he was on um, another podcast that I listened to avidly. And uh, so like I recognized the voice. I was like, should I talk to him? Oh my God, do I talk to him? Like super nervous because, you know, like even though he's actually just like a super normal person and very nice, like, you know, seems famous or whatever. Um, but I was, so I'd be like, are you Chris Fritz? He's like, yeah. And then like we started talking and I am not entirely sure why he thought I was interesting enough to be a guest on that podcast, but he did. <laughs> and then um, like a week after I was a guest on that podcast, he and Ben Hong invited me to be a regular panelist on that podcast. And then eventually we left that podcast due to... Um, Differences and we just didn't feel like the level to which the guy who ran that podcast valued all humans that was compatible to how we value humans. So we decided to strike out um, on our own. Uh, and yeah, that, that's how I ended up here. It's really weird that, yeah, like one conversation is how that happened. <laughs>
1: Yeah, now you're stuck with us. Sorry.
2: Yeah.
1: I know. Now I'm stuck talking to y'all every week.
2: But, you know, and it's funny because that conversation was literally like 10 minutes before the first time I ever talked to Tessa. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. I don't think I ever heard that part of the story before.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I talked to Chris and then um went inside to get food and we met in the food line. <laughs>
1: Yes, I was like, "Wow, this person is very gregarious and extroverted and uh, not <laughs> at all shy. She likes to party, which
2: is funny because it's not true. <laughs> I know I fake it well, I do no, and i remember I remember telling you that like we'll never talk again because I don't know how to maintain friendships.
1: Yes, <laughs> I clearly remember that." <laughs> And then I saw you like the next day and we hung out again. I was like, okay, I guess this is a different Ari from yesterday.
2: But yeah, no, uh, made a liar out of me, but I'll take it.
1: (laughs) Betrayed. (laughs) I know. Yeah, it sounds like uh, being being able to go to a conference can potentially open up a lot of opportunities.
2: Yes. And I was very lucky in that. I actually got a scholarship ticket from what then was known as View Vixens, and that was that was how I attended. So what I did was I applied for the scholarship ticket. I was like, okay, if I get it one way or another, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to get there. But as it turns out, your employer is a lot more likely to pay for the travel if they don't have to pay for the conference ticket. Just pro tip. <laughs> so that was how I did that. Um, but I would have I would have gone into um, debt just to to go to that conference because it was I was just so excited about it.
1: Yeah, I remember I wanted to go to the 2018 one, which I think was the second one. Uh, but I was told I didn't ask early enough. I think they asked like six months in advance. And so I was like, I want to go to the third one. I don't know how I can. Luckily, I was speaking, so I was able to go. But otherwise, I don't know how I would have gone. And also, like, one thing that I don't get is. Speaking of employers, I feel like a lot of places, their learning budget is $1,000. And so that includes, like, do you want to go to a conference? Which is, like, the entire ticket, yeah. Right, and then it's, like, who pays for the hotel and the travel? Yep. Yeah, yep. so if you get a, a free ticket... Oh, so honestly, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it, yeah. it's funny, I've, I realized I'm the only person on this podcast who has not actually attended a VueConf in person.
1: Well, it was really nice having you on the show. <laughs> yeah, sorry bye. That's a prerequisite. If we had
0: known. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, please.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, no, I've I've missed every single one. So doesn't
2: have to be a view comp for cool things to happen.
1: I guess you're just gonna need to uh get pratique to host it in Georgia
2: because
0: Alex wouldn't be here if it weren't for a conference. That's true. Is it true? Yeah, yeah. there was one there was one conference where I, I met all of y'all at the same time. Yeah. All y'all. All at once. Yep. Y'all just like kicked in the door and I was like, what's going I was on? Like, hey, what's and up, y'all were friend. like Ahh! and then like that was it. That was that was the entirety of it.
1: Nobody nobody gave me the backstory that we were retconning in and now I feel lost. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, all that to say, if you ever had the opportunity to attend a conference, uh you definitely should. Another great way to um go to a conference for free is to be a speaker (laughs) because
1: um that's the easy way
2: yeah yeah Uh, i'm not gonna say that's the easy way i learned that the hard way that (laughs) that is the worst way to go to a conference for free (laughs) because you do not get to enjoy it
1: yeah i I feel like you have to get used to a lot of rejection uh but we did we did have an episode where we talked about how to no no, no. you can't hear me.
0: You were cutting oh, it we out can, there, but
1: because I was scrolling our site at the same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was trying to Next. find this episode number.
0: We we need to get you a different hotkey for mute and unmute.
1: Honestly, if I could use the function key, I would, but it doesn't detect it, which is really annoying.
0: Yeah,
2: it's-
1: that's what I use. You, even as a modifier, it won't detect it.
0: Yeah. Weird. Yeah, A lot of keyboards have the function okay. key implemented as like a internal macro key as opposed to like yeah. a thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, when I didn't have the function key available, I used the tilde key, which was really awkward if I was like accidentally like typing in a text.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah it I spent a, a lot long of time. time picking out the <laughs> key. On Mac, I had to change the control as well because just I've never gotten it to detect the function key on an external keyboard.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Anyway, yeah, I think. Oh, I just closed it. I looked it up and then I closed it.
0: We have an episode previously about giving conference talks that we will link to in the show notes.
1: Yeah, I think in in that episode, in the episode where we talked about applying to speak to con- at conferences, which is episode thirty nine, we talked a bit about how to enjoy being at a conference, which is in and of itself an art.
2: Yeah, and uh, step one, don't be
0: a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you like speaking in front of people.
1: Honestly, I an- I enjoy speaking. Or like, there's there's a quote that one of my teachers likes to say. I forgot what it was. It's from a writer and she says, like, I hate writing. I love having written. Like, the feeling just after you mm-hmm. finish your talk is so good.
2: See, like, that's what everyone kept telling me would happen. I felt so dead inside after and that was that was like my moment of nope this was not worth it I mean okay it was worth yeah. it in terms of I got to meet a lot of amazing people um there was this guy Alex he was okay
0: um eh. he's a <laughs> bit of a jerk so yeah I don't know
2: um but no for me the the whole experience uh oof months of uh freaking out ahead of time for not feeling good after was uh yeah
1: i will also say and this is not to say that speaking is for everybody but especially from the organizer perspective slash i guess evenly from the organizer and speaker perspective the setup that you're speaking in also contributes a lot to how good or bad you feel giving the talk because i have definitely had talks where i was like oh that Feels awful afterwards, or I feel nothing afterwards, and a lot of times I could link that to like one, one stage or like context I was speaking in versus another.
2: Yeah, it turns out I didn't like preparing the talk, though. I really did not like that.
1: <laughs> so, okay. talks is like just oh, it's so hard. It is. I, I'm going to do another one this month. Actually, I'm not looking forward to it.
0: Hey, yeah, I have to put together a talk actually about view, and I need put that together. Thanks for reminding me. Ugh.
1: Back to back to Ari.
0: Back to Ari. <laughs> so, you went to a boot camp. Mm-hmm. What stuff did you learn while you were at the boot camp? Did was it did you were you just like straight mainlining Vue.js and that was it? Like that's been your entire life? Oh. Like like what else did oh, I I didn't
2: on. I didn't touch Vue until after uh well, after. Well, not well after, but Oh wow. Uh, so it was a full stack boot camp and we did the um
0: the
1: Angular JS meep stack.
0: The meep Ew, meep. <laughs> Neep? As in like the sound no, that beaker. meep.
1: the thing you eat. It's the thing you eat. Node oh, Express, uh-huh. Angular no. and Postgres.
2: Oh, so I just meep. Oh sorry, I should specify Angular JS and Postgres.
1: Yeah, Angular JS. Mhm. Uh-huh.
2: Neat. Yeah, so it was it was Angular uh 1.6, so oh, it did neat. have components. Um but yeah. So it was like the version of Angular JS that most heavily it was the part that actually sort of inspired Vue to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and then after that Oh,
1: it wasn't the pre-component version? No. <laughs>
2: No, I had components. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no, no, sorry. That inspired view I meant.
2: Uh, was, I mean, sure, it was, it was partly both, but, but yeah. Um, and then after that, when I got my first job, I worked with Polymer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Which actually, um, it also, there were parts of Polymer that were very familiar in view uh it was yeah it was like all the things i liked about polymer and then all the things i hated about polymer were fixed with vue mm-hmm. so yeah yeah uh, so i started using vue when i finally convinced my boss to let us move away from polymer and do a rewrite and so then it was up to um our team of two to pick a new framework um, I did most of the research and, you know, uh, were you, did,
0: were you the, the person who kind of did all the group project stuff and then, uh, somebody else finally showed up or was it,
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you no, know, it was, uh, it was an agreed upon, um, labor split, you know, I did the research and then I was like, Hey, check this out. What do you think? Um, and yeah, I read the documentation and that was when I was sold on view. That, and it was just super easy to get um, a WebSocket set up with Vue. Yeah. Whereas I never actually got it to
1: work properly in Angular. <laughs> yeah. So did you find Vue through like a Google search or something? I'd heard of Vue. The first
2: time I heard of Vue, it was actually one of my instructors was talking about it. It was Vue 2 was released a month or two before the end of my boot camp. And so we were getting ready for our capstone projects and for a capstone project, we had to use, um, a new technology. I went with Angular 2 at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Regrets. <laughs> so many regrets. That was
1: a nightmare.
0: Uh, that was a... You were like, oh, I've been learning Angular. I can, uh, I can totally pick up Angular 2. This should be easy. <laughs>
1: Well, you meant AngularJS and Angular, really, if we're going to be pedantic, which we are.
0: Oh, yes, that's true.
1: No, uh, the Angular
2: CLI was a release candidate at that point, which meant there was not a lot of documentation around deploying uh, with a full stack application. So I had to figure that out on my own, which I did. So, I mean, I felt pretty proud of that, but wasted a lot of time. All of these things went horribly wrong the night before I was supposed to present my capstone. 6am rolls around, like, I'm in tears because, like, it just, like, n- it won't even load anymore. Yeah, it was a whole mess. And that was how I conquered my fear of failure. <laughs> 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 it really was, though.
0: Um, so you can, what you're saying is you can conquer your fear of failure by using Angular 2. Yes. Got it. Okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my My instructor encouraged me to... To give a presentation anyway, even though like I didn't have anything to present. And so what I presented instead was uh, I started with what um, I set out to do, uh, what I actually did and uh, what I learned along the way, <laughs> which honestly, at the end of the day, like that's really what development is, is that process. It, it's pretty much never actually about the, the end product. At least not from like a a growth perspective as a developer. So and yeah, uh it was good to learn early that things will go catastrophically wrong sometimes. <laughs> Cause it,
1: it does happen. Yeah. How did you find view, Alex?
0: How did I find view? I had a I had a coworker who was like, Hey, take a look at this thing. And I was like, This doesn't make any sense. What is it what? How does this what? Just assign a value and it updates the thing. That doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, it seemed too good to be true, right?
0: Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, you're we like that. That's not how pro- that's not how this works. That's not how programming works. You can't do that.
1: It's supposed to be harder. Come on, you can't do that. That doesn't.
0: It doesn't work like that. You have
1: to work for it. Yeah, like
0: this is too easy.
1: You got nerd sniped.
0: And then I spent some time like playing with it and making like a little like you know simple thing with it. I was like, this is weird. I don't know. And then I I was reading more about it and. We were like, we got the opportunity, was like, build a, we had a small client who was like, we need a page that pulls in like a list of, like a list of things, a list of locations, and then display it on a map, right? That's it. That's the whole page. And we were like, let's do it in view. See if we can do it in view. This is a good, it's a one page application. Let's do it in view. See what happens. And so we did. Me,
1: me, me. Me,
0: me, me. Let's see what she sounds like. <laughs> Pandantic.
1: A one page or a single page? No, I'm kidding.
0: And uh, yeah, that was, that was sort of my first intro. And if I were to ever go back and look at that code, I would be horrified because I can still remember everything that we did wrong there. Uh, and I can't even see the code anymore. But I, I know. I just know.
2: Now imagine that you had awful. to maintain the first view application you ever wrote for two years. Oh. Ugh. So many, yeah, so many regrets.
0: I would have I I would have rewritten it, honestly. That's probably would have been like throwing this out. We yeah. didn't, didn't really remember.
2: have that. because um, like you know, it was hard enough yeah. to convince them to let us rewrite it once. They weren't gonna let us rewrite it twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now it's someone else's problem. Ha!
0: If you're listening to this episode, other person whose problem it is, sorry.
2: I'm not sorry.
1: I was I was gonna predict that Ari was not sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> I don't even know what happened to the first Vue app I wrote, because like, I was working on this uh, thing called Angular Code Lab, which was some open source like learn Angular from Google thing. And then the guy running it was like, hey, let's make a Vue one. But nobody wanted to work on it, so I started working on it. And then he was like, hey, let's start a Vue meetup. So literally, my intro, uh, I mean, a classmate was using Vue at uh vox is that where michelle works vox verge vox box some media company that's yeah i think vox some media company starts with a v um so i heard about it but my first time using it when i was like working on a class to teach people view and running a view meetup <laughs>
2: yeah uh but then i've been lucky enough to now have had two jobs where i got to use view on a daily basis
1: yay nice Okay, but enough about view. Let's hear more about you. Like, who oh. are you? What do you do? <laughs> outside uh, of programming stuff?
2: I like to binge watch TV a lot and play video games. Like, that is basically it. I am innately extremely lazy.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing because I accidentally opened the document where you put legend of zelda skyward sword <laughs> in huge letters but yeah that that's what i do okay so speaking of how do either of you feel about like the beginning of a video game because i feel like it's hard for me to start new games um a big portion of why it's hard is because i hate that beginning part it's either like i i already know how to do everything let me freaking do the thing or I don't understand anything. And then I just give up on the game Dishonored. Um, (laughs) So how how do you feel about starting games? Like I could not get past the doc. I I
2: think like a lot of people, a lot of um, neurodiverse people, I tend to play the same games over and over again. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the beginning of games. (laughs)
0: I like the beginning of games, and part of that is that my time to play video games is first thing in the morning. I wake up, I make my cup of coffee, and I play video games. So I'm not awake. So the beginning part of video games, very important for me, because I have no, I, this is, what is this thing in my hand? It's a controller. I think it has buttons, Sure. What does this button do? I don't know. It doesn't do anything right now. Okay, cool. It'll tell me eventually, right? Like I'm fine with it. Um, I like I like the beginning of video games. So I'm that weirdo.
1: Oh, I was gonna because that leads into my next question. I feel like this is also related to documentation, which is like, do you prefer like beginning of the game tutorials where they limit the buttons that work and then they unlock them as they teach you the abilities, or games where they tell you how to do things like one by one, but you can do all of them immediately and just play around.
0: I think it depends.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Cause there are games like fighting games. I hate fighting games. I hate fighting games where it's like, if you do this combo and you press three, three buttons and then swipe your, your D pad in this direction while pulling a trigger. But if you don't do it in the right order, then like, it doesn't do anything like I'm like, How am I supposed to, I just like mash buttons. I don't care. Like it's not, I'm never going to figure out those combos, right? Like that is not helpful to be able to, I don't care if I can do all the things in the world at that point. Like.
1: Yeah, but I feel like earning new abilities is different to like, you can't run yet or you can't jump yet, but it's not like something you have to earn. It's just like, we didn't teach you yet, so you can't do it yet.
0: I think if, if narratively it makes sense, like there are certain games where it's like you start off and like, oh, you've fallen from a great height and you are hurt. therefore. You have to sort of trudge along and you can't run because you're trudging along. And then the first thing that you get to is here's how you pick up an item. It's a health potion. You take the health potion. Ah, you're feeling better now. All right. Now let's go over here, but faster because now we can run. Right. Makes sense. Um, But like if it's just like, no, you can't run. I haven't taught you that yet. I don't like that.
1: I don't know how I feel about starting off a game not being able to run even for a narrative reason. Is there anything more tragic than not being able to run and then two hours into the game learning that there's just no run option? You have to walk slowly everywhere. Luigi's Mansion. Or
2: two hours later realizing there was a run option the whole time and you've just been wasting your life. No! That's the worst.
1: <laughs> when the run option is like clicking the joystick yes. or something, uh, or having to hold something down. Oh, I hate that. The
0: worst is getting three quarters, three quarters of a way through a game and discovering that there's actually a fast travel system. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Okay, but in, in Wind Waker, was fast travel actually fast travel? Like, I feel like no matter how you traveled in that game, it was just annoying.
0: I didn't, I didn't play that one.
1: Yeah, we know. I think you had to like sail into Hurricane or something.
0: Uh, and with that, Ari, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Oh, my favorite answer. <laughs> well, as the, the long running joke
2: goes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gloomy Loomy.
0: Great. So we will be sure to send people. If people have comments for Ari, please uh, direct your messages to at enjoy the viewcast, um, And we will. <laughs> uh, so now it's time for this week's picks. Uh, Tessa, would you like to go first?
1: No. (coughs) But I will. I picked Squid Game because I finally started watching it. Uh, We talked about it during one of Oscar's episodes. Yeah, it's like a... I guess it's a Battle Royale type game. I mean, I only have like a very... indirect understanding of what Battle Royale was about, but it's like a, you know, everybody's competing... They don't really say only one can win. I'm assuming only one or a handful can win game show, yeah. TV show. It's not a game show. It's a, it's a TV show about a game, but there are people watching it like a game show. Um, yeah, it's a Korean, Korean show. There was some big discussion on Twitter a couple weeks ago about um, the accuracy of the subtitles. So far, I haven't really seen any big issues. There are definitely shows I've seen where the subs are really off, but I mean, They seem fine to me. Uh, I obviously didn't read the details of the critique since I hadn't watched it yet. And I'm not finished with it, but everybody's talking about it. So here we are, Squid Game. Let's go.
0: Awesome. Ari, do you have any picks this week?
2: I do. Um, I'm going to go with a a less intense uh, TV show, uh, Love on the Spectrum. It is technically a reality, reality show, but I would say it's more like docu-series. Personally, but anyway it uh, it is about um, it follows several people who are on the autism spectrum in their quest to find love um, and because it you know autism is a spectrum, they uh, the people on the show very much cover the spectrum, um, which is nice to see representation. Um, I will say the f- so there are two seasons out now, the first season. Little sad. Um, second season uh, was a lot happier. We'll just say that. Um, but I, I definitely cried in the last episode of the second season, and when you watch it, you'll probably know why. And it was very cute. But yeah, um, highly recommend it. It's it's just like a a good you don't have to think too hard kind of watch. So yeah when you don't want to think it's a good thing to watch, but also makes you like feel good about humanity. And I like that because humanity itself makes me feel bad about
0: humanity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And this week, my pick is uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but Kongen Belfaller. Uh, It is, I've I've previously uh, picked Taskmaster, which is a game show in the UK uh you have five comedians who come on and perform tasks for the taskmaster over a seri- over a season and then the one who uh does the ta- who gets the most points wins the taskmaster's golden head um they have a norwegian version of this and it is just as good it's just not in english and so we're watching it with subtitles currently and it is it's it's pretty fantastic
1: So when you play games, you like to play games that are like work. And when you watch shows, you like to watch shows where people are just like working. Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, the tasks that they do are just ridiculous. Like there's one where it's. uh, They've set up like a like a large area and they have like a few walls and like some cinder blocks and like a, a fountain and whatnot. And they've lined up ducks on various surfaces. And the task is knock over all the ducks, the fastest wins, your time starts when the first duck gets knocked over. Oh, and you have to like stand behind a line to do it. And so watching people try and figure out like the best way to do it is hilarious because they're comedians. Dream
1: job alert.
0: Yeah, for real. And having them do it in Norwegian is even funnier. So yeah, Uh, so yeah, that is that is my pick for this week. All right. So, and our final question for our guest is, uh, Ari, tell us about your headphones. No.
2: <laughs> okay. I don't like them, so no. <laughs>
0: uh, and that's... No, they're terrible. Great. Okay, cool. Done. Well,
1: can we at least warn listeners what kind to not get? Yeah. Okay. They're not like the worst. They're not the best. Um, my
2: scalp is very sensitive and they, they hurt my scalp after a short amount of time, but they're... MPOW something. They're cheap beats, knockoffs. They get the job done. I like that they're Bluetooth, but they also have a wired option, so
0: they're good for travel. Alright, and there we go. And that's all for this week's episode. If you aren't following us on Twitter, head over and find us at Enjoy the Viewcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcatcher of choice. And uh, you know, if you have time and the inclination feel free to leave a review, unless it's a bad review, in which case don't. Finally, remember, the first rule of View Club is be sure to tell at least five or six different colleagues about View Club. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy the view.